Hi, welcome to Season 2, Episode 17 of the Pictures Out There podcast series with Lee Stewart and Dave Fogelman. Today's episode is the first in a five-part mini-series, Breakthrough Pictures. This episode is called Equality, Part 1. Humanity has never solved how to create true equality for all of us, no matter our gender, race, or social standing. Should it be done? Yes. Can we break through to actually do it? Absolutely. Let's explore. And now, here's Dave and Lee. Well, thanks, Candy, very much for that kind introduction. I'm Lee. And this is Dave. And welcome back to the Pictures Out There podcast series. Thank you very kindly for joining us. Today, we're going to begin a five-part podcast mini-series that we call Breakthrough Pictures. Breakthrough Pictures. So these are pictures of ours that we believe can take our human society to a different place. And they can, and they could, actually happen. So the first two podcasts in this five-part series are a breakthrough picture for equality. And this picture is about what we call the equalist movement. Mm. More on that in a moment. Okay. In setting the stage for our picture, we're going to talk about caste systems and specifically the caste system that exists today and frankly has always existed throughout the history of the United States. Whoa, a caste system in the United States. We usually think of that being in India, perhaps, or other places, but no one has existed in the U.S. since its inception. Okay. We're going to use the wonderful book published in 2020 by Isabel Wilkerson titled Caste Mm. as a reference point for discussing the caste system which is based on race, it's based on gender and wealth and many other factors, which we will discuss. Mm -hmm. We're going to discuss the concerns, problems, and missed opportunities Mm -hmm. that having a caste system creates for all of us in the context of some of the pictures out there concepts. Okay, very good. There are both formal and informal caste categories that exist in the United States relative to race, to gender, to wealth. There are also other caste categories, like the ones related to sexual identity, as an example. Mm -hmm, Right. So please feel free to apply some of the same general points and conclusions that we're going to make today to these other types of caste categories. Okay. But purely in the interest of our time, we're going to focus on three, and those are race, gender, and wealth. But other caste categories like sexual orientation are just as problematic for all of us. Okay. So in the history of the United States, since 1776 and before the nation was established with the aggressive colonization of North America, there's always been a very real, obvious, unearned, and wrong privilege that has mm-hmm. come with being white, mm-hmm. male, mm-hmm. and wealthy. Mm-hmm. Okay? These destructive privileges still exist today. The form has changed, but they still exist today. The form they take has evolved since 1492, that date we all know, and since 1776, but they still absolutely exist. So, if you are white here in 2023, you receive unearned and wrong privilege every day, constantly. This is our point of view. If you were male here in 2023, you receive unearned and wrong 
privilege every day, constantly. Mm -hmm. If you're wealthy here in 2023, you receive unearned and wrong privilege every day, constantly. This is our point of view. We think it's non-debatable because of some things we're going to talk about here. It's our point of view. Yeah, absolutely. So if someone is white or male or wealthy or any combination of those three factors and is not aware of the daily privilege they receive, then we just say that you're not paying attention. Yeah. Just, okay? You, you're need... not using your available human right. powers of observation. Right. Yeah. You're not using your awareness. Right. Now, that may be because they are so marinated in that privilege that it's hard for people who are white, male, and wealthy to even see it. Or it might be they don't want to see it. Ah. And they may not want that privilege to go away or be compromised in any fashion. As just one very simple, but... An enormous example of privilege, we can look at the gaps in what people are paid in the United States. Overall, and on average, whites get paid more than non-whites. Now, this is agnostic of profession or industry or anything. Right. Okay? Men get paid more than women. Now, those two statements are facts. There's no yeah, but. This is just simple math. Yeah. And sadly, in our point of view... This has always been true in there's, the United States. There's never been a time in never the history a of the United States or before in North America when this wasn't <laughs> There wasn't true. a blip there in 1898 where women made more money than men. Yeah. No, never happened. It's never happened. So privilege, unearned, unwarranted, wrong, destructive, every day, day after day. And that is just one simple example of white male privilege. Yeah, it's one huge example, but there are so many others. So also, in a largely capitalist society that we have here, you know, that, that's the system, it's a lot easier to make more money once you have, have some, some money. money. And so we have the extra privilege that comes once someone has a degree of wealth, earned or unearned. Mm -hmm. It's pretty easy to get even more wealth with really a very minimal amount of energy and effort. Mm -hmm. So the privilege of being white and or male is likely to first make you better off financially, but then that can be used to generate even more wealth and the extra privilege that then comes with being even, even wealthier. wealthier. There's a this, multiplier effect. Yeah, there's layers here to this, aren't there? And that advantage can then, guess what? Be passed along to your children and grandchildren or anyone that you want to without them doing a thing <laughs> which perpetuates privilege privilege so if a group of people is privileged and wants to create a system to maintain or perhaps even strengthen that privilege over time there is no more powerful way to do that than through creating a caste system either formally or informally that does the following it seeks to demonstrate why the privileged deserve ah. their privilege it tries to sell everyone on how this designated group of people is somehow more valuable, more important, more worthy, and have earned the privilege and deserve the privilege mm. that they possess. How about a system that seeks to justify the abuses that get served up to the non-privileged groups of people? And these abuses are justified and required to maintain the caste system over time. And somehow we say the non-privileged deserve those abuses. And as we talk about these caste systems, one of the key things is for those who are 
in power or at the highest levels of the system, one of the big things they will try to do is say, there's no system. Right. There's it doesn't no, exist. It's to this point of privilege and it's earned. I've, I've earned everything I've gotten here. To, right. And there's no system. You know, what are you saying about me? The defensiveness will happen. Yes. Every time there is a caste system that one of the things that goes with it is pay no attention to that caste system. There is no caste system. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Den denial that it exists. Exactly. So in the United States, we have always had a caste system, formal or informal, however you want to look at that, that provides privilege to the white, the male, and the wealthy. And no book that we've ever read, as Lee mentioned, provides insights into that system like the brilliant book cast by Isabel Wilkerson. Ms. Wilkerson discusses the caste systems that have existed or continue to exist in the United States, as well as talking about caste systems in Nazi Germany and in India. There are common traits and circumstances, interestingly enough, with all three of these caste systems, which Ms. Wilkerson articulately proves through some really beautiful, extensive research and very relevant spot-on anecdotes. We cannot recommend this book enough. Mm -hmm. Today, we're going to take a look at just one portion of Ms. Wilkerson's book. So she identifies the eight pillars that typically exist to create and then maintain a caste system, eight of them. She shows how these common pillars exist in the U.S. They existed in Nazi Germany and in India. Our focus in this podcast, in this discussion, is just going to be on the United States. So, let's reflect on the past and present of the U.S. as we talk through these eight pillars. The first of which is divine will and the laws of nature. <laughs> what is this about? Well, some interpretations of Christianity and the Holy Bible have been used to justify and support the caste system that's always existed in the United States, formally or informally, since, as we stated, 1492. At its most extreme, some scriptural stories were used as license to enslave those that some wished to consider religious heathens. Well, why? In order to help build a new country out of the wilderness. That's why. A hierarchy evolved in the new world, quote-unquote new world, one that placed those with the lightest skin above those with the darkest skin. And I think the, the use of uh, religion or pieces of religion and twisting what we believe is kind of the core notion, certainly, of Christianity at its core into a tool to support a caste system mm -hmm. is horrific to think of. It is. But it's been done. And yeah. that's the point Ms. Wilkerson makes in this book is that you know, this is one of the pillars, as you say, now this, this caste system is here by divine will. Yeah. You know, and oh, it's just nature. Yeah. 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 So we have to throw up our hands. We can't do anything yeah, about this. Yeah, there's nothing to do about this. Yeah. Okay, so number two on her list of eight pillars is hereditability. So to work, caste systems rely on clear lines of demarcation in which everyone is ascribed a rank at birth and a role to perform. You're born to a certain caste and remain in that caste, subject to the high status or low status it conferred, for the rest of your days and into the lives of your descendants. And so we've talked about race, gender. I mean, those are things that you have from the day you come into this world. Yes. And her point here is that gets immediately imprinted onto you mm -hmm. as a result of birth. So the third of uh, Miss Wilkerson's eight pillars is endogamy. 
and the control of marriage and mating. So endogamy, what does that mean? Restricting marriage to people within the same caste. This keeps the caste separate and seals off bloodlines of those assigned to the upper rung. Endogamy was brutally enforced for the vast majority of American history and did the heavy lifting for current ethnic divisions, going so far as to prohibit and then cruelly punishing even the appearance of romantic interest across caste lines. And I hope as you're listening to us go through this list, you're thinking both of things you know about our history and kind of going, yes, Mm -hmm. yeah, yes, yeah. I've experienced that. I've seen that. And you're also looking at things today in 2023 that are happening. And these things, you may look at some of these like the control of marriage and mating, and you may be going, well, that's getting a lot better. Yes. And, and it perhaps is. it is. Perhaps yes. it is. It, is it still there? Yes. It still yes, exists. It is. is yeah. there still prejudice against that? In a lot of quarters, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Number four, she calls purity versus pollution. And this pillar rests upon a fundamental belief in the purity of the dominant caste and the fear of pollution from the caste deemed beneath it. There's some different examples that she gives, separate but equal laws and restrictions that I think we're aware of from the country's racial history. There's even the sanctity of water, so this notion of pollution and how she describes you know, the sanctity of water and the use of public pools, the restrictions on that, the restrictions of water fountains, yes, yes. black and white water fountains. Yes. And also, uh, she gives the example of women in equal positions of power, the ruling caste desire to keep women in subordinate positions. There may be restrictions in religions about positions that women can hold. Yes. There may be restrictions in positions that, uh, that happen in politics. We certainly are aware of the concept of a glass ceiling. Absolutely. Here in 2023, related mm-hmm. to executive positions for women. And so this one is still very prominent as a problem. So I think one thing that Dave and I are suggesting is just be attentive, look around. Examples of the caste system in operation are everywhere. Yes, and one of the things that that we would encourage you to do and that we have certainly tried to do and are by no means finished with this is self-examination. Yes. So, so much of this, when there's a caste system, you have to, we believe, really examine your part in that, your role in that. Some of that's hard. Absolutely. So Lee and I are sitting here as white males and to go in and look at actions you're taking and responses that people are giving to you versus responses that they give to other people, that is some hard, difficult self-examination. And we would encourage all of us to do that. We're all in different places Mm -hmm. in this system. Mm -hmm. None of us benefit from it in the sense of, do we want to live in a society where we either receive privilege or deny privilege for skin color, for gender, and other things. It's, it's a terrible system. It's the system that's always been there in some way. Yeah, it's as if fish don't understand they're swimming in water. Yeah. We don't understand that we're living in a caste system. And we call this breakthrough pictures because we have got to find a way to break, break through. through this in a way that humanity has just not done before. Yeah. Well, Dave and I would argue that we are both conscious and unconscious participants in the caste system. Yeah. So examine the conscious part as well as we are able and always be mindful that there are unconscious biases in operation. 
And there are things that I think we would both say we've examined and our awareness now is greatly heightened on and we recognize those things as they're happening all the time. I'll guarantee you a few years from now, you can ask us, gee, have you discovered some more things in the last few years? Yes. That we'll both go yes. Yeah. It's a constant self-examination and, and an awareness of yeah. what's going on. So let's turn our attention now to the fifth of the eight pillars identified in Miss Wilkerson's book titled Cast. This one is called Occupational Hierarchy. So there is a division of labor based on one's place in the hierarchy. The economic purpose of the hierarchy ensures that the tasks necessary for a society to function get handled whether or not people wish to do them. In this case, by being born to a disfavored or a subordinate caste. So, examples. Higher jobs, higher paying, or more prestigious jobs are typically held by whites. Another example. Higher paying or more prestigious jobs are typically held by men. Yet another example. Higher paying or more prestigious jobs typically held by sons of rich white males through referrals and networks, and what some people regard as the old boy network. Mm -hmm. Physically demanding jobs often held by minorities, women, and the poor. Repetitive drudgery, mentally fatiguing jobs often held by minorities, women, and the poor. So that's a little snapshot of occupational hierarchy. And this occupational hierarchy is used to maintain the system. Yes. It is the system. Yeah. A big part of it. Yeah. What... What son of a wealthy white man is a cleaning person? Probably precious few. Yeah. Right. And so there's a notion of uh, you actually have an accountability to maintain the caste system. Frequently that message is given where you have to, uh, you have a responsibility Mm -hmm. to maintain the privilege that's been there for generations through being a professional, through being, making more money. Yes. You know, and oh, by the way, son, here's some money to start with, Mm -hmm. you know, that's going to give you a leg up on everybody else before the game even starts. Starts, yes. Yeah. Okay, number six is dehumanization and stigma. The upper classes in the caste system manufacture and vilify a lower group and outgroup in the caste system. And again, when your awareness is heightened, you see these examples of vilification of groups of people constantly is a constant reinforcement of the system. It dehumanizes other human beings in the lower castes, and it requires programming, energy, constant reinforcement. People in groups who seek power and division attach a stigma, a taint of pollution to an entire group of people. Examples, minorities are frequently viewed as criminals or less than fully human, migrants and immigrants. This is happening right now in 2023. Particularly non-white migrants and immigrants are depicted as less than fully human. Yeah, absolutely. And as a student of history, I'll remind all of us, there was a thing called Ellis Island in New York. That's where the Statue of Liberty exists today. So a hundred and some years ago, European immigrants... Let me reinforce here, white European immigrants, Right, they immigrated to the United States. And at that time, we don't want Irish coming in here. Right. We don't want Italians coming in here. So 
Just a couple of examples to say this caste system is so multi-layered and so varied that oh. there is a point in human history, in U.S. history, when even other white groups were dehumanized. If somebody wanted to say how many levels could you create of this caste system that you all are talking about, Lee and Dave, my gosh, and it's, it's these combinations of different qualities, backgrounds that people have. And one of the things that we are suggesting here, too, is we're actually much more consciously aware of this system. Yeah, arguably, Think about it. Yeah, arguably than we ever have been we before. We are frequently used to looking at somebody else, and via our cognitive biases and other things, we look at them and we make a judgment instantly about where we think they probably fit mm-hmm. in that system. Mm-hmm. That's part of what happens, I think, with self-examination, mm-hmm. where you start realizing your own tendency to do some of that. Yeah. And then you, with that awareness, you reject it. So the seventh of the eight pillars uh, is terror as enforcement and cruelty as a means of control. Oh, boy. So terror and violence preempts resistance to the caste system before it can even be imagined. Evil asks little of the dominant caste other than to sit back and do nothing. That's a quotation directly from the book. Yes. Let's read it again. Evil asks little of the dominant caste other than to sit back and do nothing. Because it's a self-perpetuating system. We're going to talk a lot in this two-part series about the impact of silence. Yes. And the impact of using our voice, all of us using our voice. So here are some examples of this terror as enforcement in operation. Think about Charlottesville, Virginia a few years ago, white supremacists. There's been brutality directed Hispanic, Latino, migrants, and immigrants We're going to build a wall on the U.S.-Mexico border. What was that all about? Really, it was a caste thing. Right. Uh, Sexual assaults on women, sadly, in the news every day. Terror and cruelty on women's reproductive rights over their own bodies. So abortion or anti-abortion litigation and legislation. This one in particularly, it seems like the system and, and those who are privileged and who love their privilege... It's like, ultimately, if there's some part of the message of this system that you didn't get, this is the court of last resort. We're going to use terror on you. And it's uh, the, the great quote from Isaac Asimov, violence is the last refuge of the incompetent. And that's what happens here. Yes. It's like, gosh, yeah, I, I don't know what else to do. I want to maintain my privilege, yeah. and I'll use terror. Yeah. All of the other means of subordination don't seem to have worked. So yeah. what's left? Violence. We'll use that. Lastly, number eight is inherent superiority versus inherent inferiority. Inherent. Wow. Requires constant reminders of the inborn superiority of the dominant caste and the inherent inferiority of the lower caste. It must be understood in every interaction that one group was superior and inherently deserving of the best on society, and that those who were deemed lowest were deserving of their plight. This messaging is constant. It's subliminal. It's tricky. It is constant. It happens every day about whites and minorities, about men and women. And if any of us don't hear the messaging, it is, and we want to say this in the kindest way possible, Yes. but we want to say it firmly and directly. Yeah. It's because we're either not listening, looking, or paying attention, Mm -hmm. or sadly, we don't Don't care, care. and we don't empathize or have a heart about this, Mm -hmm. 
or we are in the privileged caste, or we're one of the partially privileged castes, and we don't want to give up that part of our privilege. So we choose to not see and to not, not hear. hear. Yeah, absolutely. So let's close our discussion here. Part one of our breakthrough picture on equality. We always like to conclude by asking, what are your pictures? What are your perspectives, your ideals? What is your influence to use? Stay tuned next time for part two. Take care. Thanks for joining us today. As always, feel free to explore more about Pictures Out There at picturesoutthere.com and major social media sites. We hope you have the day of your dreams, the day of your pictures.